You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. You don't need to be a bioengineer to help change the shape of humanity. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Trillions. I'm Joel Weber. And I'm Eric Valchunas. Uh, Eric, we were actually kind of stumped on what we were going to do on this episode. And then uh, you pulled a proverbial rabbit out of a hat. And I think it's a great one. You want to tell us about your idea? Yeah. So the idea was uh, something that I've been tweeting. I have certain recurring tweets. And one of the ones that I've been doing a lot lately is this tweet where I say, on today's edition of I can't believe how much an assets that ETF has now, blah, 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 blah. This, you know, and because what happens is I, in our team, we'll just drop tickers in and and we'll look them up and we'll be researching things. And over and over and over, I'm like, that thing has 2 billion. That thing has 4 billion. That thing has 500 million. I just, when I, last time I checked on it, I was like, oh, this will probably just sort of live in this little corner here. You know, maybe it'll get like 10 million a year. I just am surprised at how big some of these non-Vanguardian ETFs are getting. Ones that you just wrote off a little bit and you're like, what's going on here? And then you're like, well, ETFs are taking in so much cash. I mean, I guess it has to go somewhere. It's not all going to Vanguard. So I thought we, right. we would just look at some ETFs that we were, you know, we looked at one, you know, one day and we're just blown away by how big they got. Maybe we can talk about why. And I thought the significance of this also was like, here we are a year after really the pandemic started to to take hold and markets bottomed out. And now a year later, we're, you know, back in a bull market, everything's up and it it, it bears ex, uh, exploration of a few things that might have some underbellies. So joining us on this episode, not just Eric and me, we have Todd Rosenbluth, the head of ETF and mutual fund research at CFRA, Athanasio Serafagas, who's an ETF analyst with Bloomberg Intelligence, and Claire Ballantyne, who's an ETF reporter with Bloomberg News. They've all been regulars on the show before. This time on Trillions? Dude, I can't believe how big this ETF got. Todd, Claire, Athanasios, welcome back to Trillions. Great to be with you. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Hey, by the way, Joel. Yeah. Um, do you know what today is? It's funny we have Todd on the show. Uh, it's timely, I would say. Well, you know here why? we are in late late March. What what's what's going on? Spring. This is this is the end of Superbet two. Okay, so this is what, the due date. So remind me what Superbet two is. Okay, a year ago when the active non transparent ETF started to launch and there was all that hype building up, it's like oh here come these big fish: T Rowe Price, American Century, Fidelity. Um, Todd and I started to have spats both on panels and on Twitter about how big they would get. So I set an over-under at $10 billion in the first year for what we call ANTS, or Active Non-Transparence. He took the over. So as the year went on, it, it, was, it looked pretty bad early, and it stayed bad. They have about a billion. So I had $9 billion to spare. The bet was due April 1st, and he owes me a steak dinner. Unfortunately, we would normally be physically there, and we'd be going out to dinner that night. 
and then I would tweet pictures of the steak and him signing the, the bill and all that. It would be, it would be a, it, I, we have to postpone that though. But at least well, you on could do this, it. You could do it on Zoom. Eh, I like Todd. I want to hang out with him. So I, we have a good time together. I, you could hang out. You. It could be a Zoom steak dinner. No, that's depressing. Yeah, that's, that's weird. depressing. We, we've right. got to do this in person. So yes, I lost the bet. Let's put the numbers right. It's about one point five billion dollars <laughs> in total for these ETFs. Again, it doesn't matter. It's much less than ten billion dollars. But I lost this bet. Active non-transparent ETFs have not delivered the assets we expected. They've been under the radar, and that's, of course, a good segment for this show because there's things that are under the radar that are actually gathering assets uh, instead of these products. Okay, so Todd, let's start with you. What, what, what's one that's jumped out at you? So my pick on this and I, is, is a Wisdom Tree product. It's Wisdom Tree's Emerging Market Ex-State-Owned Enterprises ETF. The ticker is XSOE. It's got $4.7 billion in assets, over $3 billion of inflows in just the past year. It's actually the second largest of Wisdom Tree's ETFs. You know, people probably, in fact, we, I was on the show talking about currency hedge ETFs, which is what Wisdom Tree has been synonymous for for over a decade. It's now the second largest, this XOSOE product. And why? Because it's outperforming. By having a governance slant on emerging markets, it's outperforming IEMG, the iShares cheap emerging market product, Vanguard's emerging market product, VWO, by over 300 basis points in the last three years. And performance works. You know, Investors are getting uh, an ESG-oriented emerging market product from Wisdom Tree, uh, and, and it's working out. But I didn't realize how big it was. $4.7 billion is much larger than I would have thought. Does that worry you? No, I think it's a great sign. I think we, we, you know, we're seeing we can have a different debate about ESG and, and the viability of those products. But I think it's great that it's moved to emerging markets and with a single pillar, the G in governance, as opposed to something that's focused on environmental, which has certainly got more of the attention as of late. You know what? I almost picked that one. I, that one's been on my radar. I looked at it a couple months ago. I didn't realize it got so big because I think it's right behind Degrow, right? I think it was always like Degrow and that one was their largest product. But uh, it's funny, we were thinking the same. I looked at it. I didn't end up choosing that one, but it definitely uh, caught my eye. That, that to me is a perfect example, Todd. That might be better than both of mine. That is a lot of money. And also it's interesting, two things on that one. Um, Wisdom Tree has done, I thought, a good job of uh, diversifying themselves out of that currency hedged craze that that has come and gone. And this is a great product. And it also fits with their idea of like, hey, I'm going to give you this thing. And I'm going to take this thing out, you know, like take the yen out of Japan for DXJ. This is like taking the socialism out of the, out of the emerging markets. And at, the wrap on EM has always been, well, a lot of these uh, companies are state owned. They don't move that much. Um, blah, blah, blah. We want more capitalism in there. And this ETF really, I think, does that well. So it's a not just performance, but the, the, the narrative and the solution it's providing is pretty solid, too. So, Joel, I need an independent ruling on this. It sounded like Eric says my pick is better than his picks, and so the bet evens out. We just are going to split the check when we have stake. Is that right? Is that how you heard uh, I, it? I, I did not. I, I heard a fraction of that. Um, the other part, I think, was a little uh, – it took a little liberty with your, your listening skills there. Uh, but good pick. Nice try. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 
quickly, I want to bring you in. What's, what's your first pick? So mine aren't in the billions uh, like Todd's, but the uh, the one that caught my eye most recently um, is Buzz, which is the Vanek Vectors Social Sentiment ETF. And that's the one that made a lot of um, buzz <laughs> earlier this month uh, when Dave Portnoy backed it. Um, looking at our data, let me pull it up. It got $280 million on its first day. Um, which is just pretty incredible um, for a one-day launch. Everything that I've been doing recently is is comparing back to those um, non-transparent funds um, because it's been a you know about one year since those launched. Um, and I checked this morning, and the largest one of those um, active non-transparent funds has two hundred eighty-one million. That's the Fidelity blue chip growth ETF. And and these are huge names that, you know, launched these strategies that were supposed to be some of the you know, biggest products this year. And yet you see this ETF backed by Dave Portnoy that gets more than, than the best ant did in a whole year or about as well um, in just a single day. Yeah. Um, I'll jump in here on that. I, you're right. I said this would probably get 300 million from the Portnoy effect. It, it completely past that. And it's interesting, Buzz launched uh, four or five years ago, and it got no interest. So somebody asked me the other day, well, what percentage of the assets do you think is because of Portnoy? I'm like, well, 99%, because we saw this before. Buzz on its own was only able to get uh, a tiny fraction of that volume in assets, uh, literally like 1% of it, to be honest. Um, and so it really, I mean, also having the, th the fact that Portnoy is a day trader, himself and on Twitter, it's so in line with his very being. And I think this is a, actually a, a smart marketing move as opposed to hiring, say, some celebrity who doesn't have anything to do with investing. I think we'll see more of this. And what fascinates me is the fact that, you know, if you look under the hood of this ETF, it's not like, you know, GameStop and AMC, some of these like day trader darlings. Um, the top holding is Apple and then Boeing. I mean, it's it's you know, you wonder how much of this is people looking at what's in the ETF versus just seeing Portnoy and jumping in. Yeah, this is nothing to do with people looking at what's inside the ETF, uh, which which gives me as much frustration as the fact that you said this has more money than the largest of these semi-transparent ETFs. People are not looking inside it. But the good thing is they're owning higher quality blue chip companies that will survive as opposed to riding the wave of the latest meme craze. Which I think is the, the concern in general and, and an interesting aspect of, I think, this episode is like, how much of this is just this raw enthusiasm? Um, we have new phenomenons of the, the Portnoy's and the Kathy Woods of the world who can really um, personalize things and, and people are investing in blind faith without actually recognizing what's inside the, the ETF. Um, Athanasios, can we get your first pick? Yeah, this one's going away from like the millennials. I feel like this is a boomer pick, but all right. So the ticker is TMFC, right? Motley Fool 100 ETF. Right? Do you remember that newsletter, Motley Fool? I feel like that's something like my parents would read. Like they'd get like a in the mail, like a newsletter with like pictures and colors on it. All right, so they want they have this really strong following, like a million followers that read this newsletter, and they pick stocks and they say like, yeah, dividend investing or income investing or whatnot. So they launched this ETF two years ago, 
I mean, it's not in the billions, but it's got 400 million, which I think is really impressive. Because um, it just, I don't know, I just think there's a stigma that like Motley Fool is a little bit more old school. And you look at it, right? And at the surface, it's just like Apple, Microsoft. You're like, I'm paying 50 basis points for this. But it actually has been crushing the S&P 500 since it launched by like 30%. And then I thought maybe, well, it's just house money. They, maybe they put their own money into it but it's pretty steady flows coming in consistently. Um, I feel like this is a pretty solid, this is a, a good boomer pick because I don't think anyone would have expected this product to be, if I mentioned this ticker, you would have said 50 million tops, just still probably an initial seed. But I think 400 million is pretty impressive for this product. And, and where are the flows coming from? Uh, it ha- I think it has to be newsletter uh, followers, people that are following this newsletter. They probably are still subscribed to it and like, either haven't unsubscribed and they're still getting it like that email. Um, but it, it, I feel like this would be like an, I just picture like an older investor who still gets their newsletter, likes their dividend picks and just said, yeah, I'll buy, I'll buy the Motley Fool ETF. Why not? Does Portnoy have, have a newsletter? That could be his new strategy too, to, to attract the boomers. Yeah. I was like, I didn't even think these news, I, to be honest, I didn't even think these guys were still publishing to be honest. I had to go digging really deep into the abyss to find this one. I actually, as you were going through the tickers, I was going through my brain of going, I don't know what that one is. Um, and then I think this Barron, is it, there's an ETF that's tied to Barron's also, like the Barron's 440 or something. B4, hold yeah. on. Let me look it up. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. What, what do you think that has, Todd? Don't look. Uh, I, I can't because uh, I'm on uh, recording this with you, but I think it's, it's certainly less. I would guess it has 150 million. Look at you, man! One hundred and thirty-five million. Woo-hoo! Your your, your uh, ETF Jedi uh, forces are are working well. All right, Eric, round out our first round. What, what's your first pick? My first pick is Ival, which is one of the ones I tweeted out. This is uh, uh the Ival Quadratic Interest Rate Volatility and Inflation Hedge ETF. So let me read to you. This is the ETF.com, which has these nice little zagats. Uh, descriptions of ETFs. Here's what it says. It attempts to protect against inflation and to hedge yield curve shifts and interest rate volatility using tips and long options. Ival's over-the-counter options on the U.S. interest rate swap curve are described. Da, 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 da. So I know from experience that complexity doesn't really sell in ETFs. And so, and I met Nancy uh, Davis a couple times, heard her pitch it. She's very smart. And I, I just thought, okay, this might appeal to a certain kind of maybe really high-end advisor or institutions. And it's got $2.5 billion and it's only uh, launched in May. It's two years old. That is amazing to me. And it charges 99 basis points. That is really on the high side. That's probably top 5% most expensive for ETFs. So it's complex, expensive, and indie. In a way, it reminds me of ARK, where I was like, there's just so much going against this. And so to have $2.5 billion, I would have estimated... 75 million would be a success for this in two years. So it blew it away. And big reason it blew it away is that if you look at the performance, it's really good. It's got a nice steady rise. And so over the past two years since it came out, I'll give you the performance. So it is up 22% since it came out. Now you're going to be like, well, that's not that much, right? You know, the S&P is up more. True. But this isn't really competing against the S&P. If you look at the aggregate bond ETF, it's up 9%. And here's what's amazing. Ival, if you want to talk about the S&P, is about a sixth of the volatility. In other words, that 22% 
is a very low, low, low vol 20%. And that is hot. And that's, I think, why it's selling so well. Yeah. And I, just to add to it, what it's doing is it's owning a Schwab Tips ETF as its beta and then adding on using options uh, to be able to get extra income and be able to reduce the, the downside to it. So this is true active management in the ETF wrapper by using a core product and then amplifying on top of it as opposed to you know, these con- you know, nothing wrong with ARK and the concentrated picks, but it's nothing like the S&P 500. It's not starting with the S&P 500 and then pulling things out or adding to it. This is actually, you know, doing that. And, and to credit of Nancy, because he's not uh, doesn't have a team of wholesalers that's doing this. This is a true independent provider. Well, it's interesting because she pivoted from her hedge fund to launch this. And we, we also saw the first um, hedge fund to convert itself into an, um, an ETF. So it's interesting to sort of think about how that might impact things going forward if more um, managers do this kind of thing. I I will say the idea of a fund that helps with inflation, I think we're going to see more of those. I think with the success of this and also that inflation is the new like scary word out there. And so I I think that's this is going to spark some not, not copycats on this strategy exactly, but ETFs that are geared towards the inflation situation. Okay, let's do round two. Todd, I'm going to start with you again. What's your second pick? Yeah, so I hesitate to offer an iShares product because iShares and under the radar probably doesn't seem like it makes sense. But IQLT, which is the iShares Edge MSCI International Quality Factor ETF, uh, has $3 billion in it. Um, that's nowhere near as big as it is for the U.S. version of uh, of the factors, but I've always thought of international investing being primarily done with a blunt instrument of MSCI EFA or MSCI emerging market-based products that iShares and Vanguard has. And I didn't think anybody was really doing factor rotation or factor exposure, especially something that Eric, I'm sure, is going to make fun of me for picking another boring blue chip, high quality ETF that's out there because it owns Ro- it owns Roche and Nestle and Total Listen, and SAP. It- but you know what? It's beating IEFA and VEA by more than 300 basis points. So the quality tilt is actually adding value, pun unintended, for what it is. I just didn't realize anybody was doing this. This is a $3 billion ETF. iShares has many $3 billion ETFs, but I didn't think international factor would have been among them. Listen, quality large caps, it's on brand. I would expect nothing less. I'm happy you brought that and I'd be honest, I am shocked it has that much. Usually, anything international over the past couple of years hasn't done well because it's lagged. So the idea they can get that much into this is is really uh, amazing. I will say it's 30 basis points. That's a nice advisory low fee for that strategy, and that has to help. I fell asleep halfway through that pick. <laughs> um, no, it's a, it's a solid pick. Uh, I think, you know, because now there's a rotation more into international i feel like so instead of people maybe just going straight for efa this is a solid pick it, you know and, and quality might work a little bit better i think with on, on an international scale and like todd pointed out the performance has been good so this is actually a really it's a really str- good pick okay clear let's give you the mic what's uh what's your second pick so also 
a bit of an underdog compared to the the billions there, but I think this is one of the least boring ETFs. Um, I was I've been looking at uh, at UFO, which is the Procure Space ETF, um, and it's still pretty tiny. But I think what's really notable about it is that since Kathy Wood announced that she's going to be launching a space fund, uh, she announced that back in mid January. Um, the fund could come out any day now. UFO has uh, more than tripled in assets. So it's still only at uh, $131 million, But, you know, it's been trading since April 2019. Um, and then just in the past, you know, what, two months, it's, uh, it's, it's tripled. So I think it's an a interesting sign of what may be to come for this fund and for any other space funds. So uh, this is interesting. UFO, uh, what a gift it got. And Andrew Chanin has been through a, a, a nasty situation with one of his old issuers. And it was I was happy for him to get this gift because UFO hadn't was kind of kind of hanging around in oblivion. And then boom, this filing from ARC, which just shows you the power of Kathy. I mean, she's almost like Buffett at this point where she buys a stock or talks, says a stock in an interview and it goes up. And it was just... It's nice for Andrew. I think some of that money will stick. Maybe a couple leaves for hers, but she's actually helping the whole category. I think we're going to actually see this become a, a true investment category. I, I think space ETFs is a, is a little bit out there um, from an investment perspective, but I think people are going to then look to see, is there another option? Is there a, a slightly cheaper or a slightly more index-based approach to it or differentiation and I think this will be a chance uh, for UFO to have a, an opportunity to highlight what makes it different than the active management approach, whereas right now it's, it's way under the radar, as, as you mentioned, Claire. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents, people who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund, so you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Athanasius, um, what other ETF has surprised I, you? I, I almost want to guess. Yes, and I'll tell you if you're right. Okay, let, let, I'm going I'm to let you guess. Uh, I, I, feel like it's, I feel like it's a first trust product. <laughs> Am I right? No. I mean, you, you're good. Uh, you, know, you know me, but I went a, I went a, different, a different route. Alpha Dex. He like knew that you were going to guess, and it was like, Eric's going to guess first <laughs> trust. I'll pick yeah, something and I'm not trying, Okay, okay. Well, uh, one more try. Is it one? Is, is it something that's China? No. Okay. All right. Thank you. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, oh, for two. Okay. All right. Your so turn. the ticker, uh, I picked Bug, the Global X Cybersecurity ETF. Shocker. The, yeah. So let me tell you why. When you think about it, you're like, oh wow, thematic pick. Yeah. They, like so it's got 800 million. This is why I think it's actually pretty impressive because 
you mentioned Andrew Chanin. He had Hack first, right? And I think like Hack is like the first like quintessential thematic ETF that came out. Then you had Cyber that came out. They together those those have got like over five billion. So it's almost like now like, you can't get into the club. It's like another cybersecurity ETF. Like no thanks. Like it's fine. But Bug is coming. It it undercut both Hack and Cyber. It's been performing better than Hack and Cyber. It's more concentrated than Hack and Cyber. Um, and it's able to raise, I think, 800 million and take away some of the assets from, from those guys. The reason with, where it's grown a little bit is because of all the legal issues around Hack, people were leaving that fund. So they were going to Cyber and they were dumping into things like Bug. But it only launched in late 2019. So it's still pretty new. So, and also I like Bug because I'm a big Money Black fan, the movie. And like Bug was like the the character, so that's like also probably half the reason why I picked that ticker. This ETF was on my list. This was my alternate in case uh, somebody else picked it because for everything that you said, but it actually has gathered almost all of the assets this year, despite losing money this year. You don't usually see that. Obviously, it did very well in in 2020, but third mover advantage doesn't usually work unless you know Global X is the is the leader in thematic ETFs for a reason. You know, they're showing their, their true colors here. I don't know anybody who's ever fessed up to saying that they're a big fan of Men in Black. Um, so that's, that, that's the Especially like either. certain characters. Like, yeah. <laughs> like normally Men in Black gets referenced with the memory thing. Yeah. Um, or when you see somebody who's in like an all black suit, but like you like went to a whole nother place. Yeah, I listen. Eric and I debate on movies all the time. I, I liked... The movie, I like the Ray Bands, like the whole thing back. I had the CD, the soundtrack, so I was really into that movie when I was younger. Yeah, it's it's good. Right. The first one is real. I thought it was really good. My yeah, I watched it with my son the other day. And the original is, is yeah, yeah, it's good. All right. On that note, Eric, we're going to give you the final word. What's your second pick? So uh, I'll go with one that's uh, again. I just tweeted about this, which is Soxel, S O X L. This is the Direction Three Times Semiconductors. If you had asked me how much does this thing have, I'd say, well, okay, it's a, it's not a, re- it's not a sector, it's an industry. Yeah, semis are pretty popular. I'd be like, probably four hundred million. It has four billion, and I, it just doesn't make any sense to me, especially because if you look at the flows this year, I mean, semiconductors are a fascinating space. To me, they're almost like the oil of our tech world. I mean, you have to have semis, right? They're just, it's such an interesting space. But you get enough juice from the regular ones. So A, do you really need leverage? But I'm like, okay, maybe there's some people who need leverage. But this year, this has taken in more money than any of the regular ones like SMH, SOX, or XSD. $2 billion in flows. It charges 95 basis points. And here's the thing. It's not like it's gone on a tear. It's been somewhat of a volatile ride, which is actually bad for leverage. And I just wonder who these people are. And then if you look at the 3X bear, it's got almost no assets. So I think a couple things are going on here. I think generally traders are just really bullish on semis. And I think they use this as a proxy to play that kind of a bounce. And I also think it's representative of the retail crowd because there's a bunch of leverage ETFs that are way bigger than I would ever imagine. TQQQ is another one, although it wasn't a surprise because I track this all the time. But that one now has $10.7 billion. So I do think that some of the leverage ETFs are appealing to the retail trading crowd who likes fast. They don't want to wait around for SMH and a regular ETF. They want the return three times faster. But anyway, uh, I'm shocked. And this is why the leverage ETF issuers are in a good business. For the amount of assets they have, they make a lot of money because they all charge 95 bips. 
And they have a kind of interesting, almost like hardcore local fan base that continues to lose their products and they don't have fee pressures. So it's just an interesting world to me. And uh, anyway, I was just blown away. I would have thought this was the volume. The volume would have been high and would have been among the higher ETFs given the trading crowd. But people are clearly holding on to this if it's got over four billion in assets, and and that both has high reward but also high risk. As you guys have talked about, what these is power tools in, in prior shows. Uh, yeah, like I we would equate them to a chainsaw. You know, they they can do wonders, but you can also lose a hand if you don't know what you're doing. So. I, you know, I, I don't, I wonder if people, you're right. When I look at a leverage ETFs, I want to see like 30% turnover a day. And this one's, I don't know, maybe 20%. So you're right. There's probably a little more buying and holding than there should be. These things should be traded, not held. Eric, can I just say that I'm shocked that you didn't pick jets? I was positive that was going to come. So th- it's a good question. The reason that has more assets than I would have thought two years ago, but I was on that ETF like white on rice. I tweeted about it every day. The, these are ones where I just forget about them for a while and they come up for some reason. And I'm like, wow, it's almost like you ever go to a friend's house and they have a kid or a dog and you're like, I cannot believe how big your kid is getting or your dog. It's like that. But Jets, I live with Jets. Jets is like in my household. So I don't notice how big it's getting. Do you see what I'm saying? Like Arc 2, same deal. I live with it. I live, I live with a kid and a dog that both do that. And I'm just like, oh my God, how much bigger did you just get? All right, on that note, Todd, Claire, Athanasios, thanks so much for joining us on Trillions again. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to Trillions. Until next time, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter. I'm at Joel Weber Show. He's at Eric Balchunas. You can find Claire at CFB underscore 18. Todd at Todd CFRA. And Athanasios at T. Serafagus. As always, good luck spelling that. This episode of Trillions was produced by Magnus Hendrickson. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcast. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.